Hello, listeners. I hope you've been enjoying the lost episodes of Talking Taiwan that we've been sharing every Thursday. These episodes were recorded 10 years ago, back in 2012, when Talking Taiwan was just being created. For the month of June, we'll be slowing things down by sharing lost episodes every other week. And in July, we'll be taking a break from the lost episodes. We've got a lot of great new content planned, and we just can't fit it all into our weekly publication schedule. Some of the guests in these lost episodes may already be familiar to our listeners, and some of them will be reintroduced with a follow-up interview for us to find out what they've been up to these days. You're listening to Talking Taiwan with your host, Felicia Lin. This last episode of Talking Taiwan features Edouard Roquette, a member of the French Chamber of Commerce. He's talking about entrepreneurship and Taiwan's foreign entrepreneur community. Next week, we'll be bringing Edouard back on to find out what he's been up to since then. I quit my job last year to develop my own business. We are going to launch sometime in the summer. And on the side, I've been involved with the different communities that are in Taipei. The people around um, a YC Fund, which is also the people who are organizing Mobile Monday. But this is just more on a... I attend their public event. Now I'm personally more involved with the French Chamber of Commerce. I did their, uh, I was a finalist for the Innovation Award in 2010 and 2011. And since that, I've joined the, uh, the chamber and I'm now a member of their SME committee to develop packages for entrepreneurs, you know, uh, from some of their members, for example, lawyers, CPAs, designers, so that we can actually create a sort of ecosystem for entrepreneurs. Now, I'm also involved with the Founder Squad, which is a private club uh, that meets every month. It's in Chinese and in English. It lasts three to four hours. And um, each person around the table, we're about between five and 15 people, depending on the times. Each person around the table get maybe about 20 to 30 minutes to um, discuss what is their most difficult challenge this month. And I've been doing this since uh, the start. It was uh, last August. It's organized by uh, a French guy who uh, developed and uh, exited very successfully two companies in Silicon Valley. And I'm now talking with them to, uh, to create a special type of deal that does not involve equity. Essentially, in the uh, startup world, we don't have so much money to get things done. So we can either try to find co-founders or we can try to raise money. That's the uh, traditional approach. Now, what we're trying to develop here is that you raise money or assistance from a professional, but in a way that does not involve equity. It involves a royalty on future profit, for example. And the idea, uh, the reason why we want to do that is because we found that if you end up giving equity deals at a level which is so early, where the sum are very low, we're talking about 20, 30, maybe 50,000 US dollar, it really muddles the water and it doesn't help the entrepreneur to answer the right question for him. When you're an entrepreneur, what you do most of the time is trying to solve issues, to go around problem and to create an answer to a need, to a question. Uh, that is as, as efficient as possible. And having to deal with raising money or to report to people who 
are looking to get their money back as soon as possible and get quite a certain amount of control in your company can be an issue. So what we're trying to develop is something that gives the freedom to answer the right business questions. Aside from Edward's involvement with all these groups, he shared what the community of foreign entrepreneurs in Taiwan was like. If people generally got along with each other, or if there was a lot of competitiveness or rivalry. There are just different approaches. Um, again, you know, I discussed about how raising money early was a certain type of idea of how to develop a startup and how some people believe this is not the right approach. And this is probably how the foreign community in Taipei for startup divides itself. So you have uh, business accelerators, special programs that take in company very early, give them a small amount of money and try to coach them. And then you have people such as the uh, founder squad, which are trying to do things differently. Now, a majority of business do not go through accelerators. So it might seem like there is a lot of visibility, a lot of government cooperation with the accelerators, but the reality is that they're just a minority in the world of business. Edward explained why he's chosen to stay and do business in Taiwan and not move to China instead. It's a personal choice. I enjoy the life here. I really like the country. Um, I think it's a matter of lifestyle. China would probably have more opportunities, but I'm, I'm not really looking to be there. He also talked about whether the French Chamber of Commerce has been willing to move in the direction that he's been trying to move them. Essentially, it's an association. So they got to deal with everyone. They got to balance everyone's wish. And they're dependent on, well, less and less, but they're still a little bit dependent on some of their big sponsors. I'm thinking about big French companies, basically. And while they're trying to, um, to get an approach which is much more entrepreneur-friendly, they still have to satisfy some of their bigger members. It's only fair. Edward described the variety of ideas that he's seen come out of Taiwan's foreign entrepreneur community. There is business models which have no possibility to ever make money, which are just, uh, it's just whimsical, it's just a fantasy. But then again, you have very modest people that work on the side, that doesn't talk so much, that are incredibly innovative and that are doing fantastic stuff. So I would say it's really a, a scene where you have two extreme. You have very public projects that go around with um, ideas which are perhaps not this, this well-developed. And you have quiet people which are, which are just creating gold. What advice would Edouard give to someone who has the technical skills and ideas but lacks the business experience to even know what to do, what questions to ask, or how to refine their idea? It's actually, it's really um, something that you experience. I can give you a couple of clues and directions, but to someone like this, I would tell them, don't worry, you're already doing the right thing. You're already questioning yourself. You're already trying some, to do something harder, and this is the right thing to do. Now, to be more practical, what I would tell them is to discuss what they're doing with the people around them and to try and figure out essentially what will the customer really want? What are they really selling? And I don't mean what do they think they're selling. What are they actually selling to the customer? And sometimes this can be counterintuitive. For example, at the moment I'm developing a food service company. At first I thought I was selling delivery as a service. 
But in fact, I realized that what I'm really bringing to the consumer, the real reason for which someone will want to come to me is choice and convenience, a choice that he cannot get somewhere else. The idea is that if you're in your office and you want to go for lunch and there is the same three old restaurant in your area, you will turn to us because you will want something different. So this is what we have been developing. And I think this is the most essential question to ask for someone who's developing a business. What are you really selling? How can you satisfy your paying customer? Here are some of the lessons that Edward has learned that people should not do. One of the recent lessons I, I got in the past six months was you really need to think about what are the interests of the people you're working with. You need to be sure that everyone is on the same page. When you start, you're a bit resource-starved. So perhaps someone is going to turn up and it's going to say, oh, I could do this with you. But then you need to be really careful as to what are their interests. Do they already have a job? Are they going to quit this job? Do they have a business? Are they going to put this business on the uh, back burner to work with you? What is going to be their implication? Because it's better to actually refuse someone than to choose someone that is not right for your project. And it works the same with investment. You really need to think about who you're taking money from if you do actually take money. Now, I personally believe that you should start with having paying customers and validate what you're doing with them, and then you should go for money. I think investment should come later. Edward talked about how he views local Taiwanese entrepreneurs in relation to foreign entrepreneurs. I actually really uh, mix it up all together because the foreign communities uh, is not so big. There are a lot of Taiwanese people coming to the events where we are. We work with a lot of Taiwanese people, so it's really uh, an altogether thing. Now, for the pure Taiwanese project, it's similar to what I was talking on earlier. It's essentially, you see a few vocal projects that don't really make sense, but you also see a few uh, shy developers that perhaps have problems to communicate about what they're doing, but which are doing great, great product. I'm talking about developers because the Taipei startup uh, ecosystem is much more tech-oriented at the moment. It's true that there is this idea that you should export in Taiwan to be doing a really meaningful business. But I think this is um, what's happening with more established companies, which are perhaps not very good at branding, which are used to be OEMs, and which still have a fairly uh, family-oriented idea of management and developing, and it's, it's old style. If you look at what younger Taiwanese people are doing, they are targeting the market. Their perhaps second market would be China. They're not really looking at America and Europe anymore. They think China and then global. So I don't think this, this works the same anymore. Edward learned about entrepreneurship before coming to Taiwan. I got a grant from the British government in 2005 to go to a program developed by the MIT and the University of Cambridge called the SIDA uh, Enterprises. And essentially, it was a crash course in everything entrepreneurship with the teachers from the two uh, schools and some professionals, some people who were managing some business. Uh, it was incredibly useful and interesting. Um, however, it was very um, uh, beginner level. 
it's really a very long-term process. And I, you were being very kind talking about my experience, but really, I think I'm, I'm still a long, long, long way from being an accomplished entrepreneur. This is what Edward had to say on the topic of support programs or resources available for entrepreneurs in Taiwan. It's extremely clear that there is no uh, systematic support from the government, from the universities, to foster real entrepreneurship. When I started here in Taiwan, I went to look around in 2009 for uh, what were the communities that were active, who were the people over there. And it was very old style. It was really not practical. It was essentially... Uh, a lecture given by uh, by a business guy. The government is trying to help propel business by giving money, but the hoops that you have to jump through to uh, to get to this money are still pretty difficult. A lot of people that I know who have done this are not really doing it for the money, but more for the fact that having the uh, government seal of approval will help you with the banks and with every other partners. So clearly at the systemic level, Taiwan is not where Hong Kong, Singapore, the UK, the US, or even France is. We just heard from Edouard Roquette, a foreign entrepreneur in Taiwan. Stay tuned for my follow-up interview with Edouard next week as we check in with him 10 years later and see what entrepreneurial projects he's currently involved with. Now it's time for you to show us some love we just found out that you can rate us on Spotify. Or if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Audible, leave us a review there. It helps others to discover Talking Taiwan. To learn more about any of the items mentioned in this episode, visit our website, TalkingTaiwan.com. There will list any related links. Thank you for listening to another episode of Talking Taiwan. I'm your host, Felicia Lin.